Human design is an amalgamation of several facets of spirituality. The I Ching, astrology, chakras, Kabbalah, all combine beautifully into one system. Mary Rose and Mary Letitia have been exploring their own designs for the last year. This podcast is an extension of that exploration. Come learn, laugh, and grow with us as we become Guided by Design. Hello, hello. Good morning, Mary. How are you today? I am doing pretty good. I was so tired last night that I woke up and felt like a brand new person today. I did not get the same experience of sleep. <laughs> well, it, it helped also that I didn't put on my glasses when I went on to went downstairs to make coffee. So I was wandering around squinting at everything and it was it's just it was a new it was a new experience. I always wear my glasses. Me too, so much that I woke up this morning and mine were smudged because I must have fell asleep with them and I now have to go get one side of them fixed. Oh no, oh no. I mean, it'll survive, but yeah. So uh, we, I probably haven't gotten up to much since we recorded last in terms of listening or watching. I did watch the new episode of Only Murders in the Oh, did you? I did not get a chance to do that. Well, I won't spoil anything, but uh, yeah, we cannot, Laura, and I cannot wait for the last episode next week. So there's two more episodes, the finale, there's like one and then the finale? Yes. Okay. I'm honestly, I'm going to have to wait and binge. (laughs) I think that's a good idea because now I'm like, oh my God, now I have to wait I don't know how I will do it, but maybe, you know, it's maybe not a bad idea for me to go back and just watch the whole thing all over again. While I I joined a group on Facebook that's just uh, all around that TV show, What We Do in the Shadows, that I love so much. Yes. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love that it's just such a, it's one of those communities where it feels so wholesome. Like everybody is there for the, for what feels like the most wholesome right reason. It's all just because we love something and there's no egos yet. There was the, but I remember also the, my, my favorite murder community back when it first started and it was very wholesome until it wasn't. (laughs) Yeah. Until the second it wasn't welcome to fucking social media. Yeah. I just can't do it. Like, ugh, not even, not even the groups that I enjoy, do I enjoy anymore? So, ugh. well, I like meme groups that's been, and yeah, I, I didn't, I do tend to turn my timer. I had to, didn't have my timer on. I've been just, sucking so much into my face with reading books because I have been reading a series. I don't know. I don't know why I go back and reread shit. It's so weird, but um, I've always really kind of found myself drawn to the K Scarpetta series. Have you ever heard of this? Uh-uh. I keep slurping my coffee. Patricia Cornwell. She writes these books about a medical examiner in Virginia and 
she is like a chief forensic and like a chief forensic investigator. And in Virginia, things work a little bit differently. Like that's who goes to a crime scene. She's, she, you know, not cops, not crime scene investigators. It's, it's, it was the chief investigator, but she's got this series. And I usually go back to about the same point in the series and then start and then just keep reading. It's weird because she goes from writing in and I'm terrible with knowing what the, what the first person is. I think first person is like, I, me, my, to then referring in the second person or the third person. I can't, I don't know exactly what those perspectives are for someone who reads as much as I do. I don't know what they're called, but I recognize them when I read them. When you read them, yeah. Um, Discovery Witches kind of does that within the book. Like you'll go from Diana's perspective to then it's Matthew, but it's not him saying like, I, it's all like Matthew went here. He did this. And, um, but anyways, I really, it's weird. It's about a bunch of death and there's serial killers and I'm rereading it again. So What's called? it's called, it, um, there's not really a name to it. It's K Scarpetta is her name, like K-A-Y Scarpetta. Um, and they're not like happy books at all. There's like no happiness to them at all. She also, Patricia Cornwell wrote a book and I don't know if it's been completely blown to bits, her theory about who Jack the Ripper was based on mitochondrial DNA. But oh, she really? did write a book that she's basically was kind of like unmasking who it is. And her theory, spoiler alert, was some artist and then when you see the art that this artist made whoa you're like yeah I believe it could be huh I think that's one of those that no matter what is really never going to get any sort of I know I was thinking that the other day like literally when they talked about how the zodiac killer how now we know who the zodiac is I was like well never going to get that for Jack the Ripper no and they haven't announced shit with the Zodiac, have they? Oh, they did. They announced that the guy who they believe is the Zodiac, they announced who, who and then um, that he's dead. Yeah. Now we just got to find that little punk ass bitch who murdered that girl in the National uh, National Park. Well, he's not the only one we need to find. Well, not the only one. <laughs> Just saying. I'm looking forward to when that little punk ass bitch gets caught. Well, he'll probably be dead. I mean, I'm kind of betting on the fact that he's probably not alive anymore. Oh, I think, yeah. I think he probably went into that swamp and he's never coming back out. Um, which is fine. Gators are probably the best revenge for him anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first thing I thought. I was like, a gator already got his ass. I don't give a fuck how much of a survivalist this little punk ass bitch is. He gonna get eight. He's gonna get eight. And every time when we think of like gators, and I know that they're not gators, they're crocodiles in um, the Temple of Doom. But at the very end, when they're on that big rope bridge at the end, and then the, the crocodiles are down at the bottom, and they're like, they spin I always think about like how they latch on and then they like spin and oh yes. I what I don't know what I was watching the other day, but yeah, they there was a, a human death that way. They were like he they he was spinning and drowning him before anybody could even 
get close to be able yep. to get guy out of his clutches. But have you ever listened to the series Up and Vanished? Um, is that the one where, where we the the first? Well, I wasn't the one that had Crestone. Was the yes, Crestone? So the very first the, episode was. Or the, I think that the first, very first episode, the series, because they did, yeah. he did like a he's whole. He's on the third series, and you know he's doing like a Montana missing indigenous girl from the Browning Blackfoot Reservation. Oh, I didn't. I have not. I have not listened. Oh um, my god, it's powerful, Mary. And he visits the Crow Reservation and the Northern Cheyenne Reservation, and he talks to people about how many people are missing. Well, I will go ahead and... Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it was the top of the charts a few weeks ago. I was like, people are listening. <laughs> yeah, I did. I listened and I thought his... I mean, and I loved his... Singing. He's really good. Like, he's a really good investigative reporter. I cannot believe the balls on this man. This this is a little... I mean, a little white guy, to be frank, and he's up here, like, knocking on doors and and talking to people on a reservation. He, that's scary. Like, there's been a few times where he's almost got shot. I'm not even kidding. Like, people will pull guns on you in our, in our neck of the woods, man. And so the fact that he's going with it and continuing oh. to... Yeah, who was? Oh, okay. So season one was about the teacher, wasn't it? That she was the girl that in Texas was that not? I'm trying to look. I was looking at Snapdragon Road. That I that I thought that there was season one was about the the girl that they found out in um, in the field that nobody knew why, what happened. Let me see, I'm gonna look. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that that's it. I'll pull it up. Oh, right Osceola, Georgia. And I th thought it was like, okay, pecans, wasn't that? Yeah, pecan orchard, okay. So that, the, yeah, I remember that one. Okay, that one makes, okay. So there was the one about the, the woman who went missing. And then, and then there was the one about Crystal from Creststone. So season from three. Crestone, yep. And I loved the first two seasons and, you know, I just, I, I find podcasts and I love them and I listen and then I usually just kind of drop off. Yeah. Not well, like I'm telling you, this season is absolutely worth listening to. Um, and it's so close to home, Mary. It just. Okay. Because th these are lawless places, whether or not we believe it. And it's, it's really bureaucracy. Like, the feds, like nobody will take responsibility. It's federal ground. The BIA has some pull, but the FBI has to get involved and they just don't, they just don't. Mm -hmm. And if a local, like a local cop from the county gets involved, they throw everything out. They're not allowed. The HPs aren't allowed. They aren't allowed to go investigate these places so that they're literally like everybody's hands are, are well, tied. saying that their hands are tied in these cases. This yeah. is why it's so prevalent. And this is why people or whatever's happening is happening so there. much on reservations because there isn't like nobody will 
take responsibility. Nobody will say, I like, we need to have authority to take care of this. Nobody. And I don't know if they can, like, I feel like it's a lot of. Yeah. Kind of like how, (laughs) yeah. How things got written a hundred years ago and how decisions got made now are not in the best interests of the people, but there is no one that will go. And maybe that's where, you know, we've got a depart, you know, a secretary of the interior now who, um, you know, but that is, it is, it's difficult to get laws changed and make progress when things have been a certain way for a really long time. And, um, and when people, you know, there's, there, there are going to be people and I'm not pointing fingers, but there are going to be people who stand in the way of changing things. And I'm not saying that's necessarily like tribal. I'm just saying that that's, that is because when one change gets made, a lot of times that affects other things. And some people don't want those other things changed. So it's really difficult to go in and say, well, we need to do this without it changing a whole bunch of stuff that maybe shouldn't necessarily be altered. And that's kind of the way, that's how we get these fucking infrastructure bills that include, you know, you know, we have these bills in Congress that have you, they, they call it this, but then when you read the bill, there's a, like tons of other shit in there that has nothing to do mm-hmm. with the thing that they say the bill is about because they just jam pack it full of shit. I'm telling you, we need to burn it to the fucking ground. Like our system is so fucked. You cannot put good people in a corrupt system and expect good results. Like that is the type of bullshit that has to be abolished completely. It's so crazy. We just shouldn't, there shouldn't be anything that is a politician career. It wasn't meant to be a career. It was not meant to be a fucking career. And the fact that people have made millions and their life out of being a career politician in quote unquote a democracy um, really makes me me laugh. I mean, it's disgusting. And uh, honestly, I, I mean, I'm sure somebody's going to listen to this. I'm going to put on some sort of fucking watch list. But uh, do I, it. Put us on a watch list. We yes, don't watch me. I don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> but seriously, it's a bad system and it's about bad system all around. And there's no fixing and making it good because there's so much bad. Yeah. Like it's just too much. So just too much anyway, fun. that's my rant for today. Uh, I'm in a crabby mood. Thank you for coming <laughs> to, like to abolish to our American government. We are going to talk about human design in case you came here for that. So don't worry. It's on the way. Hold uh, tight. <laughs> today's topic is going to be, um, we're, we're, I'm going to say just right at the top of this, I'm going to say splenic. Okay. So we're going to be talking about splenic authority. Now there are, I've heard it pronounced splenic and that's totally okay. If you say it's splenic, you're not wrong. And don't tell me I'm wrong because I don't care. Um, that's the way I'm going to say it. So we're going to talk about splenic authority because it's from your spleen. Um, did you have a chance to look at that article mm-hmm. that I sent you yesterday? Yes. Okay, cool. I didn't. I didn't look at it a single time since I sent it to you. Um, but I, I already know the analogies that I like to make about this. So I'm I'm good with running at the mouth with no... Um, I have a strange quick question for you. And I, I mean, I know I've, 
probably maybe asked this before, but when I'm looking at a human design chart, is it a mirror at me or do I need to turn around and it's a mirror. You are okay. correct. It's a mirror. And I would say, I'd also just point out that I think that sometimes we try to literalize it a little bit too. And I don't know that we have to, like, I, I feel like there isn't necessarily going to be a sensation you feel like in your literal spleen, um, the same way that we have like the gut, you know, the gut, the gut is the gut. Um, I know. I just, I just like to know like where, cause I do feel yes. like there is some body placement that is, is. there, there is, but so that is a mere reflection. I asked that question in one of the human design groups that I'm a part of, because I also had the same query on it. Um, so the splenic authority is really just for, I believe it was manifestors and projectors. Yep. Um, now why is that? Because if you have a defined sacral or a defined solar plexus, they, they don't have a defined sacral and they don't have a defined solar plexus. So there is kind of a hierarchy. So of course, if you have a defined solar plexus, it doesn't matter if you're a generator or a projector, you are emotional authority. Mm -hmm. um, if in the absence, that's, this is why Thad does not have a, a defined solar plexus. So it next drops down to the sacral. So most common is going to be emotional. And the second most common will be sacral. And then splenic is where you don't have a defined sacral, meaning you are going to be a projector or a manifester. Um, and you don't have that emotional authority either. So that it's the absence of those two other things that makes you a splenic authority. Interesting. All right. Thank you for that. You're very welcome. Um, so the Splenic authority is really rooted in instinct. Our spleen is where it, it is our most like basic instinct. So it is a survival instinct. Kind of the oldest. The instinct. oldest, right. And so I usually, when I, when I talk about this, I, I usually kind of call out the, the similarity to deer and how a deer and, and this is the way that I did read in the article so I'm going to mention that it's it's usually a yes until it's a no like splenic authority is usually just kind of like our baseline is just going to be like okay cool all right awesome keep going keep doing whatever it is you're doing the no is what speaks but it it does not speak it doesn't give you a punch to the gut the way the sacral does. And so it's almost more like a whisper. And if you aren't paying, well, and I don't want to say not paying attention, but it, it doesn't repeat itself. So therefore when you have the splenic authority, if you feel the no and you ignore it, it's, it is more to do with ignoring than not hearing it. Um, because I don't think that people really miss it so much. Well, maybe they miss it if they're not used to listening to their body, but it's really more so that they, again, they try to make sense of it with their mind. Why would I feel like this isn't safe? That doesn't make any sense. That's, that doesn't, you know, so I'm just going to keep doing it. Um, so does that, and then, but kind of like as a deer is eating, a deer just goes about its business, doing its thing, doing its deer thing, eating, shitting in the woods, 
maybe doing a little bit of deer uh, coitus here and there. <laughs> but the deer, when the deer hears the snap of a twig under a boot, it gets its no. It gets, it starts the sensation of understanding instinctually that it's a no, that something is happening and they, they perk up, they pay attention and they follow that instinct. If the instinct tells them to run, they run. If they, if the instinct, if they ignore that instinct because they're too busy eating, they're probably going to get shot. Um, so, I mean, and that's the whole thing. Like a hunter will try their hardest to make it so a deer doesn't hear them because they know once a deer hears you, they're probably as good as gone, but I'm not really a hunter. So you'll have to tell me if I'm wrong. There. Well, that and the wind, they have really great senses of smell like most animals do. So they can smell you in the wind. You always want to stay downwind from whatever you're hunting. Um, because just like the snap of a twig, the smell of a human will make a deer perk up, pay attention and listen to its instincts. And that's why people buy that stuff that makes them smell like piss. Like Yeah, like deer piss. Or you could just stay downwind. Yeah. You don't have to cover yourself in deer piss, okay? Nah. So, um, I know a few people with splenic authority and um, it is interesting when you see someone who does live within alignment of that authority and and you know that's kind of the interesting thing is the most you know having known a few people that do this it's really interesting to me when someone has naturally chosen a career or something that that they do use their instincts more that they do have to listen to themselves a little bit more um and that they when they trust that it's kind of, it's kind of beautiful to see. It's kind of beautiful to see somebody who trusts their instincts and, um, and then they benefit from that because they keep not only themselves safe, but they can keep other people safe too. Interesting. So have you met people who are not like not listening to that and I will, I'm not going to say any names, but I, <laughs> I do know people that they, um, they know that they're not in the right place doing the right thing, but it can be very difficult just the same way that we're conditioned in lots of ways. Um, our survival instinct is now less about the, the baser instincts and more about, well, I need this, I need this job for money to survive. So we will set aside some of those instinctual things because we keep you know, that, I think that that's the big thing is that, and that's everyone that's been me. That's been, that doesn't matter if you're splenic authority or not, that we do that no matter what authority we are. But I do think that that can be something that it, it can very much put someone out of alignment when um, their survival instinct is ignored when really they're miserable in, in a place that they're at. And they ignore that because of the concern for needing to keep, you know, keep doing something because they think, well, this is the only job that I'll make money at. This is a guaranteed paycheck versus I'm, I fucking hate this job and I'd rather do just about anything else. Um, but it, you know, that a lot of times is rooted in low self-worth of not thinking that someone will pay you more um, or, you know, that 
you know what I mean. I'm, I, 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 I do. I do. The, the, the conditioning situation is it's, it runs deep, it runs hundreds of years through generational. <laughs> yep. It is very generational. So if you see that kind of in family structures where um, families just do what they need to do to survive and, and plus, you know, it, it's structural it, to poverty, you know, people that have been kind of kept in poverty, for lack of a better term, that's, that's very much also going to be the case is it's not like someone necessarily chooses to be poor. It's there are systems in place to keep people poor. Yeah, for sure. And again, back to our uh, a rant. <laughs> just kidding yeah i mean we could point to a lot of things that we know are are part of this problem and and why this is such a prevalent thing for people still today even in what we consider the richest country in the world um that people still have to it's still survival we're still surviving um and now it's not water and shelter and fire it's electricity bill um being able to keep keep food on the table things like that it's it's still it's still the same basic basic instincts but now it's just we don't we don't do the same things to fulfill them anymore yep simple things like having internet for your children to be able to log into their homework at night (laughs) <laughs> yeah 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 it used to, you know little house on the prairie style it would be you know we need if you didn't have butter you just didn't have any of the things that people would make with butter and now you know there's not that same drive to it, it's not considered a luxury the same way it used to be anymore our luxuries have changed that's for sure Um, so yeah, splenic authority, uh, I don't have it. I know people that do, um, I'm always kind of interested to hear other people's experiences with it. Um, that's why I ask a lot of people when I find out what they have, I kind of ask about like, well, how does this show up for you? And what do you think about this? I've heard this and and ask them kind of their thoughts on, on some of the things that I've learned or understood. Um, but like I said, only projectors and manifestors can have this authority because they because of the way that the, the definition and the charts work. Very interesting. Yeah, I think I only know one person and um, they're definitely not listening to it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really it is kind of easy to point you know, kind of detect that in someone and when you ask questions about like, well, why, why would you keep doing it if you're miserable doing it? And there's usually, you know, some of those, well, the, the excuses do sound kind of like, well, I, because I don't, there's a, the, like, they don't believe that they would probably be able to find something that would pay them better, um, that they'd feel better doing and yeah, I can't break through everybody's conditioning. So I don't, I don't, that's not my job to break through everyone's conditioning. I would love to try. Um, <laughs> I'd like to, also buy the world. Level. yeah, exactly. I'd like to buy the world of Coke. Um, but 
I do think I, I love when people will challenge themselves a little bit to say, is this true? You know, is and I think my my spleen is defined and yours is open. So even though I don't have this as my authority, it's still a lot of the we, when we talked about this on our, our spleen episode. Um, it's a lot of the it's a lot of the questions around, do I feel safe? Um, safety is a big piece of it. And that's because it is our instinct to survive. So if something doesn't feel safe. Typically, like like we talked about me, my my instinct is just to not do it. I, I, I keep myself safe by not doing something that feels like it could be risky to my safety. <laughs> and like we talked about before, you've always done that. I've always done that. Like I've done stuff like I've done dumb stuff. Trust me. I like broke my arm in the second grade doing some dumb shit that kids do. But I mean, that's also kind of part and parcel to, you know, it's important that we test some of those things because how do we know if something is true or not without actually doing that testing? Um, yes, scientist, how do we? Well, I, I mean, I think that that's the, the thing is that um, I'm the person that also can tell you this will, you know, the, seeing the future is difficult because then you can be like, that's not going to work the way that you think it will. Um, but, you know, as a kid, it's important to let your kids kind of fuck up a little bit and make mistakes and try stuff and have it fail. Um, and, and understand that doing that doesn't mean that it's, there's a difference between safe safety being safe and playing it safe, I think would probably be the way I'd put it is that you can do things. And that's where like you and your undefined spleen and, where people will th seek thrills and they'll kind of, they'll know something isn't safe and they'll do it anyways. Um, you know, that's not to say that everyone dies when they bungee jump. I mean, if they did, the bungee jumping industry would have died out a long time ago. Um, so I think there's, there's something to be said for there. Not everything I'm safe about will, will necessarily I, I'm overly cautious. Not everyone is the same way. And a lot of people have different experiences. So I don't know. I just feel like I rambled for 40 minutes. <laughs> I'm having a hard time inputting on this one just because I, I just don't know anybody. And I really like to, to uh, point out mannerisms of specific people, it turns out. Um, but yeah, when we discuss the, uh, so your husband has an open spleen too, doesn't he? Um, let me look. I don't honestly have that. I think we both have a defined spleen, but, but I through conditioned, my experience has also been very conditioned by fear and his is not, he just does not, he doesn't fear things the way that I do. Um, this is, that's, that's just why I asked. It, I would point to like horror movies. I hate horror movies, hate them. Like I don't want anything to do with them. Um, nope. He's got a defined spleen too. But, um, but yeah, I think that he, I've also always had difficulty with the difference between fiction and reality. Um, 
because fiction to me is very real. I become very engrossed in things that are fictional. And um, so I tend to blur that line, I think, more than than my husband does. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, sets me up to be maybe a little bit more of a scaredy cat about things. Um, but I'll read like I was just thinking about Silence of the Lambs and the books by that author because he writes some real scary shit. Mm-hmm. Like, but the reality for me is not horror movies. I see that humanity is more of the the cause is more of a horror story than anything. And that's why I like, Oh my gosh, I can't watch. I will not watch a Rob Zombie movie. There's nothing supernatural about those movies. Um, so that's why I find them even more ultra terrifying is because it does speak to the reality that humans are the monsters. Humans are. Well, they are. They, they really are. And that's why I have a hard time. I don't like to see that kind of um, pain inflicted on people that I feel like a lot of those movies glorify. And so. See, and I have just as hard of a time with the emotional stress movies. You know what I mean? The ones that really don't have, a, if any, physical violence, but they will like stress people out with the I can't remember what the genre is called but you know what I'm talking about right well psychological thrillers yes yeah. that's what I was looking for but I'm trying to think of like a good example of a movie that like what was one of the movies that really fucked you up oh I see and I have a hard time thinking back of, of those because they fucked me up so <laughs> um kidnapping movies used to really get me you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, especially as a, as a youngster, um, the thought of being kidnapped. I don't know. That's always been a weird fear of me, of my own. And when people vanish, like that shit stresses me out. Like I don't understand how a whole human being can, can disappear and, and literally nobody can find them. That doesn't make, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like there's somebody who knows something about something. <laughs> Yeah. So <laughs> that that kind of stuff really gets me when people are taken. Yeah. Fact, that was one of them. Do you remember that movie, Taken? Uh, yeah, with Liam Neeson? I think so, yeah. Well, he had to go, for, like, mm-hmm. I remember Ransom with Mel Gibson. I do I, remember Ransom, yeah. That was a bit, that was like, um, I remember that movie was, was, was pretty terrible in terms of like yeah yeah. I I completely agree I get where you're coming from there and that's it's so interesting that that's where you're like I love a podcast that talks about people that go missing because and it but it still stresses me out like I've listened to an I don't think I've listened to a single episode of up and vanish that I haven't cried like I haven't stressed cried over (laughs) yeah and that's why we love it we love why we love it um but no I think and those are those things that it's like it's important it's kind of like it's important that we do watch and listen and and expose ourselves to things that make us uncomfortable like that because if we think it's bad for us it's not even our lived experience and it's so it it really is important that we empathize and and create that connection to people who are experience that that is their lived experience um 
because we need those people need our help. Those people do need people listening to those podcasts and they do need people aware of the, of their cause because um, it's definitely not, it's not going away. On one of the last episodes of up and vanished with the missing girl, one of the ladies that's working on it on, on many cases, she's, she's like an advocate around the state for missing indigenous and she was so upset they were everybody was you know white girl goes missing boyfriend suspected the whole fucking nation gets on board id tv does this whole thing they still are because they're still searching for him she says in this country we could give them one missing indigenous human a week a new story every single week we'd have four years worth Mm -hmm. minimum and that's that's if they stopped going missing right now so why can't why can't idtv do a 15 minute fucking episode on missing indigenous in our country it's an epidemic it's a huge problem and nobody's paying any attention and I need to be will do something for this white girl who goes missing and the whole fucking country will get up in arms. But we have this, this underlying epidemic that so many people don't fucking care about. It speaks to the, I mean, if you don't think that there's systemic racism in this country that is indicated by the lack of, of care given to the plight of the missing and, and murdered indigenous women, girls, people, um that's why i just use that term because it's it's not just women it's not just girls it's people they're all people and i think people also just assume that they create that that somehow that they created the system that they're now a victim to and it's like no no White motherfuckers created this bullshit. Are you yeah, kidding? White, white people created the, the the government systems that are in place today. Yeah. It, even if they have a BIA, that BIA was created by people. And you know, um, this is I, I would say. You know, I recently for the for Casa did the the book. And I think I talked about it that um, Killers of the Flower Moon, and it's like this has been going on the disenfranchisement of, of indigenous people has been going on since we came into this country and took it over. And, you know, that's the thing is that, but but there would have to be acknowledgement. There would have to be some kind of acknowledgement that this is something. I, I think that that's the biggest thing is that people don't want to recognize that, that it is a system that, that benefited white people at the expense of indigenous people, because then if you admit it, then somehow you're responsible to actually do something about it. As long as there's no admission of guilt, nothing has to be done about it. And that's at every government level. That's from the president to, you know, everything in the, in this country would hinge on somebody taking responsibility for something but in order to do that, that would mean it would be the same thing as with reparations for um, for people of color. 
Yeah. It would mean by admitting it that they're admitting fault and then they have to do something about it. And there is an absolute unwillingness to do to anything about it, about it. Yep. Well, because we gave the land back. Imagine what would happen if we gave the land. Imagine if we acknowledge that none of the land that, that we own, and I use my quote marks own that it doesn't belong to us, that it never belonged to us. And that owning land in and of itself is uh, it, it's a it's a fallacy mm-hmm. and what would what would happen to a culture what would happen to i mean it would basically mean everything would crumble if we acknowledge that people cannot truly own land the same way people could not truly own people and i mean yeah we're talking like fucking mass hysteria because every system of our government would break down if we didn't own land that never belonged to us in the first place. Yeah, complete chaos. Ugh, it's so disgusting. So we begin with a rant, we end with a rant. What can we say? Begin with a rant, end with a rant. That should stitch that on a pillow. <laughs> I do want that cross stitch now. Yes. Um, so we'll be talking again. Like we've got a few more authorities we want to talk about, um, but they are going to be probably a little bit more lumped together because we, I mean, honestly, when we don't really know, I wouldn't say know as much about them, but especially ones that we have less experience with, we'll provide some information, but we definitely can't speak to some things the same way. So um, we'll probably get a few of them in, in one go the next time, but there are several more authorities that, um, that we could talk about in terms of, um, there are, I'm just going to list them really quickly. So we talked about emotional, sacral, and spleen. There's also ego, G, or self-projected, and then mental. And then the final authority that we have talked about before is that lunar authority for those beautiful reflectors. Yeah, so the unicorns. So we'll see how much we can get to the next time. If we rant too much, we might only get a couple in the next time. Uh, but we are happy to hear from people. So if you have a different perspective on one of these authorities that we don't have much perspective on, we would be happy to hear from you. You could um, hit us up on our email at marysmentorsgmail.com. Uh, we also have a beautiful Instagram at uh, guided by design pod. Dot, dot, dot podcast. Dot podcast. Um, and then, of course, we have a, a Facebook. So, yeah, get a hold of us. Or don't, whatever. Whatever. You have, if you want to also help us run for president, um, please hit us up. We'd be happy to t- discuss the potential of having you be our um, campaign manager. <laughs> All right. Okay. Check you later. Bye. Bye.